Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hi, welcome to episode 19 of the Toward Light podcast. Over the past several weeks, I've been talking about the Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of mindfulness. And I wanted to wrap up this series today by talking about a part of the sutta that I have not yet mentioned, which is the refrain. This is a section of the teaching that occurs about 21 times throughout the teaching, so it feels kind of important to talk about. I also want to talk about how do we bring this quality of mindfulness and how do we bring these four foundations to help us dismantle white supremacy and cultivate anti-racism. To review, this is the working definition I've been using to define mindfulness, an embodied non-judgmental awareness of our present moment experience. And we've talked about this through the first foundation, which is mindfulness of the body. The second foundation, mindfulness of feeling tone or Vedana. The third foundation, mindfulness of mind. And the fourth foundation, mindfulness of dhammas or categories of experience. So I'm going to go through this refrain and talk about how it applies to each of the foundations and also anti-racism. I'm going to start by reading the refrain. So any time that the Buddha offered a different practice, whether it's mindfulness of the breath or doing corpse meditation or feeling tone or mind or the hindrances or the seven awakening factors, any time that he introduces a new practice, then afterwards comes this refrain. So there's a couple words different depending on which foundation it's in, but mostly it's the same words multiple times in the sutta. So I'm going to read it. In this way, in regard to the body, one abides contemplating the body internally or in regard to the body, one abides contemplating the body externally, or in regard to the body, one abides contemplating the body internally and externally, or one abides contemplating the nature of arising in the body, or one abides contemplating the nature of passing away in the body, or one abides contemplating the nature of arising and passing away in the body, or mindfulness that There is a body is established in one just for the sake of bare knowledge and for the sake of continuous mindfulness. And one abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one, in regard to the body, abides contemplating the body. So there are several different aspects of this. There's this idea of using the practice internally, externally. There's the part about witnessing things arising and passing away. There's this idea of knowing there is a body, or there is feeling, or there is mind, or there is dhammas. There's the piece about cultivating bare knowledge and continuity of mindfulness. And the final piece is this idea of independent and not clinging to anything. So I'm going to talk about how do we practice with each of those aspects of the refrain. In the sutta, we've 
gotten all these different teachings, all these different ways that we can cultivate mindfulness. And then this refrain is giving us extra instruction and also pointing us to what we're doing, why we're doing this. We're doing this to break free of the patterns of clinging and craving. We're doing this for liberation. How can we be mindful internally, externally? First foundation of mindfulness, I can be mindful of my breath internally, what's happening in my body. I can also be aware of my breath externally, of the way that it's making sound or affecting others around me. Or I can bring awareness externally to the breath of another. I try and edit it out, but you might be able to hear my dog breathing in the background. So this is a really easy way to start to see internal and external as we can feel our own breath and we can see the breath of others. Feeling tone, that's such an internal process, right? Around pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. What's the Vedana of the stimulus? So I'm sitting, I hear a piece of music, and I have that hit of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And I can I can catch that in myself. That's internally, I'm watching that. And part of that is because I see then my response. I hear an instrument I don't like, and I... I go unpleasant and then I start to shut down or get a scowly face or change the song or whatever. To see this externally, maybe it's putting on a piece of music and watching that the person I'm with is turning the volume up and enjoying it. I can see that they have a pleasant Vedana to this because they're bopping along. And so that's a way that we can start to look at how do we see people's reactions to things. We can look at micro expressions on the face or see when you say a certain word, how someone might light up. Like That's helping you to see externally how Vedana presents in others. For the third foundation of the mind, internally we can watch our mind and we can watch how it moves to craving, to aversion, to delusion, to concentration, to distraction. We can really track our minds. We can see that internally. And so externally, again, similar to Vedana, if I see a piece of pizza, my Vedana might be pleasant, and then my mind might start to think about how I can get it or whatever. And so we can see with others around us their reaction to a stimulus and see, oh, like what might be happening in their mind. We can start to externally see how our minds are similar to other people's. Oh, we have pleasant Vedana, which then moves us into craving. And how we can see the fourth foundation internally and externally. An example I would give is restlessness. I can see restlessness in my own experience when I'm practicing and I just can't settle and I can feel that buzzy feeling in my body. And then maybe if I'm meditating with someone else, I can notice either their lack of it or or maybe when someone else is restless. Sometimes if we're trying to meditate and someone else is restless, it can lead to a whole negative thought pattern. But if we can see, oh, I'm bringing my mindfulness externally and that person is experiencing restlessness, is experiencing this hindrance, we can simply hold it with that. We don't have to get overly involved. What does this have to do with cultivating anti-racism? How can we see things internally and externally? How can we bring our mindfulness both in ourselves and outside of ourselves?
we see our internal experience of race. For those of us in the dominant culture, sometimes we don't see that. It's so bled into the culture that I don't always see my whiteness. So part of my internal mindfulness is to make sure I'm noticing my whiteness, noticing when I'm in different scenarios, how does my whiteness affect how I'm treated or what's happening. So I'm looking internally and externally. And how do I see my race in my body and my mind? How do cross-racial interactions affect me? You know, getting to know internally what happens in my body, what kinds of Vedana come up, what thoughts happen, where do I get sort of stuck or lost. I'm in a cross-racial interaction. My body feels some tingling in the chest, a little bit of tension. I feel that that tingling is unpleasant. My mind starts to get all caught up in what if I say the wrong thing or what if I don't do the right thing or what if I'm seen as bad or whatever. And then I get into this fourth foundation of dhammas. And and sometimes I might get caught in the worry or I might get caught in the aversion of how hard this is or whatever. Or sometimes I can train myself to equanimity, to pasadi, to calm, to, okay, in this moment, I want to be here, be present, not get ruffled, allow myself to listen. So I can see that I have these choices. If I'm being mindful of my whole process, I can see that when I get to this fourth foundation, I have choices about how I react or how I categorize this experience. We can see racism internally and externally. So we can see when our conditioned biases come up. We can see it externally and we can see it in really obvious ways and we can see it in more subtle ways. We can see it in obvious ways, like the murder of George Floyd, but we can see it in other ways, like how I might be in a store and the salesperson might come to me first, even though the black person has been waiting longer. And we can also bring awareness to when anti-racism is present. We can look at when we see really skillful cross-racial interactions or when we see when we see white folks building up people of color, supporting people of color. So we can notice both internally and externally racism and anti-racism. The next aspect of the refrain is about arising and passing away. This is such a core part of Buddhism, this teaching on anicca, impermanence, that everything arises and passes away. All conditioned phenomena are impermanent. I might see this, I might have an itch in my body, and I can bring mindfulness and notice when that itch gets worse, when it goes away, with feeling tone, If I'm meditating in a room with a clock, maybe at some moments it's reassuring because I know that time is passing, so that's pleasant. At other moments, it's grating on me, that's unpleasant. And many moments, it's neutral, I don't even hear it. So that's an interesting (laughs) practice to look at is how our Vedana changes even for the same object. The mind, we can notice that sometimes aversion is present and sometimes it's absent. We can watch the the waves of, I hate this. Uh, it's actually, everything's okay. Oh, I hate this. Oh, everything's okay. We can watch that arise and pass away and we can start to track 
and notice kind of what what starts each of those waves in terms of the dhammas categories of experience um, we can use any of those categories and track them and notice how they arise and pass away for me virya is such a big one can notice I, i i will have moments in my practice where i am so energized and focused and then feels like four breaths later, I'm like drifting off and then up, oh, come back and oh, now it's gone again. So we can notice how this arises and passes away. With anti-racism, we can bring our mindfulness to see when we're committed to our anti-racist work and when we're not. We can see our energy for the work arise and pass away. We can watch ourselves get complacent and then something fires us up. And so when we bring mindfulness to that, then we can help to see what supports us to stay in this work so that we can continue. Sometimes we can see hope arise and pass away. We can have we can have hope that things will change and then we can get despondent when things fall through and and then we can see an example of some beautiful anti-racist work and we can our hope will arise again. So that's helpful to notice so that we don't get stuck in the despondence or we think that it's going to be that way forever. We know it's going to arise and pass away. A couple years ago, I was at a training, an anti-racism training, and really left that quite on fire. And then several things happened in my life that I I let prioritize over that work. And so I let my passion sort of ebb away. And then with the death of George Floyd, it's like just like ramped back up. And because I can see that I've had this pattern in the past of letting other things get in front of my anti-racism work, it's allowing me to figure out how do I not let that happen this time and know that there's going to be ebbs and flows because that's the nature of things. But I don't have to totally drop this work. And so that's something that I'm working with right now. The next aspect of this is this idea of simply stating to ourselves, there is a body, there is feeling, there is a mind, there are dhammas. And when we do that, it helps us to, in the sutta, it says it helps us with bare knowledge. So we're not getting super attached. We're just noticing this is what's present and continuity. It helps us to continually mark where we are, what we're paying attention to, which then allows us to keep paying attention in the next moment. So with our anti-racism work, the way that we can use this is that we can note our responses. We can watch a video and we can notice our bodily response. We can say, you know, there is anxiety or there is tension or there is shutting down or there is openness. We can use this around our mind. There is a racist thought. Ooh, there's an anti-racist thought. We can start to mark and notice so we can keep our continuity. And seeing and knowing our bodily response and our mental response can help us to do things differently, to take different action. These ideas of, of bare knowledge and continuity, bare knowledge means that we're seeing something, the word I use in my definition of mindfulness is non-judgmental, but we're seeing things without any um, stickiness and uh, in more of a witness way. And continuity means that we're carrying this forward again and again. 
So it simplifies and depersonalizes and holds us in the moment. So when a pain in the knee is arising, it's a pain in the knee arising. It's not my pain. It's unpleasant. I'm not unpleasant. The sensation is unpleasant. I hate it. I don't hate myself. I'm not a hater. Hate is arising. It's leading to restlessness because I want to move and get up. Again, not me. Restlessness is arising. And this idea of continuity, of the way that the practice can build on itself, it's easier to be mindful if we've been mindful in the previous moment. So mindfulness can continue if we bring our awareness, if we carry it forward. If we have mindfulness in this moment, we can more easily access it in the next. So when we're seeing racism with bare awareness, when we're seeing our internal experience of racism with bare awareness, we can have the option to judge ourselves and beat ourselves up, or we can notice racism is arising. This is due to the causes and conditions of living in white supremacy. What can I do differently? What's a different thought I can have? What's an action I can take? I don't have to say, I am racist, I am bad. I can say, oh, racism is arising unpleasant. What do I do? And this idea of continuity, it means we keep showing up, right? Like we just keep coming back. We keep being willing to do the work. We keep being willing to notice, oh, racism is arising. Anti-racism is arising. We keep being curious about that. The final aspect of this refrain is this idea that we abide independent, not clinging to anything. So this is Nibbana, right? This is liberation, is extinguishing the fires of craving, not clinging to anything. So in the body, I might notice a pleasant sensation on my skin from the breeze or something. Can I see it as pleasant without holding on to it? Anytime a pleasant feeling arises, can I just notice pleasant and not get caught up? With the mind, when I notice concentration, is present and it feels really settled, can I allow myself to notice that but not cling on to it or want it to stay forever? Just notice, oh, right now, concentration. And with when I'm experiencing the dhammas, if I'm experiencing the hindrances, I can sometimes get caught up in the negativity of that. Or if I'm experiencing the awakening factors, I can sometimes want to hold on to those. And instead, this idea of not clinging to anything is just allowing them to be what they are. So in terms of anti-racism, how do we cultivate this feeling of independent, not clinging to anything? How do we abide in this goal, feeling, idea? White supremacy has us in a cultural trap. We often can't see it. That's why we're bringing our mindfulness so we can see more clearly all of the ways that whiteness has been elevated in this culture and all the ways that those of us who are white have benefited from that. And so the way that we can be independent is we can be willing to let go of that system. We can be willing to let go of those privileges. We can be willing to see what happens if we imagine differently, if we act differently. I've used this example before, but for some folks, the phrase defund the police feels really scary or overwhelming. And part of that is because we've always had the police in this country, or at least we have since the slave patrols were started. And so if we don't 
understand the history of the police. And if we don't allow ourselves to believe that something else is possible, of course, that's going to be a scary idea. But if we can sit down and say, this is what would work to keep us safe and to take care of people, if we can read and take in information, we can start to be independent of a system that we've been in for a very long time. We can start to break free of that. So there's a lot of internal challenging that happens. If we want to be independent and not clinging to anything in this world, we're constantly asking the question, like, what am I holding on to in this moment? What can I let go of? It's an ongoing process. It's not like a single one thing. But if we can begin to ask those questions, we can begin to access some level of freedom. So if we bring mindfulness, these four foundations of mindfulness, this refrain that happens all throughout the sutta, if we bring these qualities, if we understand the world internally and externally, if we watch things arise and pass away, if we know that there is experience, if we have bare knowledge, continuity, we can become independent and not cling to anything. And in that way, we can be of better service to ourselves and to the world. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.